Today is the first message in our summer series entitled Red Letters, the teachings of Jesus in lots of Bibles in the New Testament. The teaching of Jesus are highlighted in red letters. The world has never before or ever since heard anyone teach like Jesus. His words teach us how to live. They're timeless. And they have the power to transform us today as they did when they were first spoken. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, Matthew records in his gospel, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, speaking of Jesus, and when he was seated, when Jesus was seated, his disciples came to him, then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, And over the summer, we're going to take a close look at what Jesus taught them, what Jesus was saying to them, and what he's saying to us. His teachings show us to reconcile with a brother before offering acts of service. Marriage is sacred and binding. We are to go the second mile to help someone how we are to to love even our enemies, the importance of prayer and fasting. Treasures are in heaven, not in our bank accounts. How we can't serve two masters. Not to worry. Seek first the kingdom of God. We should deal with our own sins before pointing out someone else's and so, so much more. His teachings challenge our comfort zone. They challenge our right to be right. They confront our pride and self-centeredness and reveal to us our religious, self-righteous attitude we can have towards others. His teachings unlock the beauty of what the kingdom of God is like and how we can enter God's amazing kingdom. Gracious Father in heaven, over these next few moments together, I pray for the Holy Spirit to come in power and might and to minister your truth through, through this vessel, that every word that's spoken would truly come from your throne room into our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today's text, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29, is the ending of Jesus' sermon on the mount. He's wrapping up his famous teaching, telling the crowd gathered on the mountainside, look at verse 24, therefore whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had entered these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority not and not as the scribes. His audience could not help but notice that Jesus taught with an authority that was lacking in the other teachers in his day, who often only quoted other rabbis, other teachers. The word rabbi means teacher. The scribes were teachers of the Old Testament law. They taught the people what was written by Moses and the prophets. They spoke by authority that rested on traditions of what had been said before by others, by Moses, by by the other prophets. 
And Jesus spoke with authority as the God and Lord of Moses and the prophets. And the people on the mountainside took notice. Jesus spoke with authority. The scribes, you see, were interpreters of the law, but Christ is the lawgiver sent from heaven. And the people on the mountainside, the multitudes, the crowds, they took notice. Something's different about this teacher. Two things amazed the crowd. The substance of Jesus' teaching, they had never heard such doctrine before. The precepts which, which Jesus had, had given were quite new to their thoughts, to their thinking process, to the way that they were raised to think and believe. The second thing that amazed them was the manner of his teaching. They were astonished, our text tells us, amazed. Other translations uses the word amazed by his teaching. There, were, there was a certainty, there was a power, a weight about his teaching, such as they have never heard or seen before. You see, throughout Jesus' teaching on the mountainside, he would say, you have heard that it was said, but I tell you. You have heard that it was said, but I tell you. For example, Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 and 39 you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever, but I tell you to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. In Matthew 5, 43 and 44, Jesus taught, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. You see, whenever God's word is presented, not added to or subtracted, it will astonish people. God's word by itself, not subtracted from or added to, will astonish people and set his word, his truth, apart from the opinion of all others of man. Matthew adds this important detail. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Let's consider for just a moment the authority Christ has by virtue of being the creator, Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. As creator, Jesus has the authority to ask whatever he desires of his creation, of you and of me. Let's consider the authority of Christ by virtue of being the heir of all things. Hebrews 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. God, who at, who at various times in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, 
as the heir. Jesus has authority over everything. Let's consider the authority of Christ by virtue of being the redeemer. Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In Matthew 9.6, Jesus reveals to the paralytic man he heals that the son of man has the power on earth to forgive sins. Jesus' authority is recognized by angels in heaven. Revelations 5, 11 and 12. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and glory and honor and blessing. In Revelation 5.13, it says, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Jesus' authority is recognized by demons. In Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28, we read this story that they went into Capernaum and immediately on on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught Jesus and his disciples. They entered Capernaum. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had violently shaken him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so they so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Jesus' authority is recognized by nature, by angels, by demons, by nature. Matthew 8, verses 23 to 27 say, Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep, and his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. So the men marveled. They were amazed, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Jesus is recognized, his authority is recognized by sickness. In the New Testament, there are no fewer than 19 specific cases of miraculous healings performed by Jesus. Those are the ones we have recorded. In Matthew 9, 5, Jesus commands a paralytic man to arise and walk. His authority is recognized by death. There were three cases during Jesus' ministry when he raised people from the dead. Jairus' daughter being one of those examples, a widow's son, and his friend Lazarus. Even concerning his own death, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 18, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power, the authority to lay it down, and I have the power, the authority to take it again, to raise it up. Finally, let's consider the extent of Jesus' authority. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 32, we read Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers have been made subject to him. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 10 through 16, we read, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing, which he will manifest in his own time. He who is the blessed and holy, only almighty God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power, authority. Amen. Jesus is head over the church, Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from, from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence first place. You see, when Jesus taught, he did not quote big-name people, big-name speakers. Matthew records the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You see, the first century Middle East saw no shortage of teachers. There were plenty of rabbis with disciples listening to their every word. Jesus, in the eyes of first century Israel, was just one more in a line of such rabbis, such teachers. There was nothing in his appearance to set him apart as a teacher. Nothing. But there was something in his words and in his life. Jesus was God incarnate, the very word of God made flesh. He spoke as author, not interpreter, amen, or teacher, but as author. He taught with authority like no other because he is that authority. Christ's authority is unlimited. He embodies absolute truth. Let's just think for a moment about some of the miracles Jesus performed. He routinely healed people. He raised people from the dead. He, he walked on water. He, he multiplied food and on and on. He had authority over life, death, creation. The authority displayed in his action and teaching was confirmed after the, after the resurrection when he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. The same authority that empowered Jesus' teaching then empowers Jesus' teaching now, today, this moment. Our lives can be changed by the greatest teacher in teaching the world has ever known. The authority of God's Son, Jesus Christ, is as strong today as, as when he walked the earth. Do you believe it, church? His power to save has not diminished, nor has the authority and power of his word. He is a teacher like no other. Can we praise Jesus, the one with all authority? 
And so as we read in our main scripture text that the crowd was astonished, they were amazed at his teaching. That's great. They were astonished. They were amazed by Jesus' teachings. But the question, the question is, were his teachings applied? Yes, they were astonished by his teachings. They were amazed by his teaching. But the question before us here as we open this series is, were his teachings applied? Today in our modernized church approach to the gospel, we go, if we're honest with ourselves, we go through great lengths to wow people with our presentation. They might leave amazed by the speaker, by the presentation, but do they have Do they leave transformed by the power of God's truth? Or do they leave amazed by the speaker, by the presentation? Or do they leave transformed by the power of God's truth? I think of what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. In my speech and my preaching, we're not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is my desire and prayer every Sunday, every time we gather together. You see, transformation takes place when the teachings of Jesus are applied. Transformation doesn't happen just because you were amazed by the teaching or the teacher. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were at the Cove, which is the Billy Graham Training Center located in Asheville, North Carolina. Jim Simberler, the senior pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, was there, and he shared, if people leave church, if people leave the Sunday service and are not talking about Jesus, and how we can apply his teachings, but are talking about how good the coffee was, how great the music was, how great and awesome the speaker was, we have failed as pastors. Ouch. He said when the Holy Spirit is upon the subject, when the Holy Spirit is upon the truth, upon the preaching, the subject grips you with deep conviction. Something has to be done with this deep conviction. It demands a response. There must be application. There must be application. Church, we have to be careful. We're in a time in church history where where people who, 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 who name Jesus in name Possibly only they are more interested in being wowed, amazed, and entertained than applying the truth of God's word that transforms people's lives. And the sad thing about it is most people don't even know that's where they're at. They're deceived. Be careful, church. Listening to Jesus on this mountainside were hundreds and hundreds of people. They were amazed by how many applied his teachings, how many followed and lived by his teaching. And the same can be asked of us today. It's obvious not everyone who was amazed by Jesus' teachings would leave that mountainside committed, determined to apply all that Jesus taught them. We know this because of how Jesus wrapped up his teaching. He closes by telling a story about a wise and foolish builder. 
Look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and, and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Turn over real quick, if you would, please, to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49, is a parallel passage to Matthew chapter 7. Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 46, reading down to verse 49. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat forcefully against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat forcefully. And immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great." In both gospel accounts, the story includes two men, two houses, two ends. These two men set out to build two houses. It is during the dry season of summer that these two men build their homes before the late winter rainstorms come. And this is an important point. It's not if the storm comes, but when the storm comes. Both stories include storms beating on their houses. Storms will come, church. There's no stopping them. And since the fall, storms are a normal part of life. There's financial storms, there's unemployment storms, there's physical health storms, there's marriage and family storms, there's spiritual life storms. We're no strangers to heavy rain and strong winds. Personal storms have hit us all. How we build is critical to withstanding the storms of life. The image of building is used by Jesus as a metaphor for the life choices that people make, that we make. Now on the outside, these two men's houses or, or lives look exactly alike. However, there is one striking difference, their foundations. According to Matthew, the first man, the wise man, built his house on the rock. Matthew seven twenty four. Luke says he dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. You see, this first man understands sooner rather than later the rainy season will come with its torrential downpours and gale force winds, and so he prepares for the storm. Jesus says the one who hears his teachings and does them, he is like this first man. Jesus says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man. He's preparing ahead of time for the storm. Hey, church, there's a storm coming. It's called the judgment of God. And what determines whether or not you... Make it through the storm is the foundation you're building your life on. Notice that the wisdom is not in the hearing and doing, but it's in the hearing and doing. And this is a critical point, a, a critical truth in today's message. In James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. This is, a, this is very convicting. In the ancient world, 
It was common for people to hear a teacher. But if you followed the teacher by trying to apply, live what he taught, you were called a disciple of that teacher. If you only listened to his teaching but never applied it, don't deceive yourself thinking you are a disciple of that teacher because you're not. You are only a disciple of that teacher when you apply that teacher's teachings. And so James right here says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And how many of us deceive ourselves? Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount says in, in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven, who applies God's word. In Luke 6, 46, Jesus says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord? And not do the things which I say. We can be amazed at Jesus' teaching all we want, church. But if there is no application, if we're not trying to live what he teaches, don't deceive yourselves thinking you're his disciple because you're not. One cannot be a disciple of Christ when they just blatantly, 24-7, choose a life of disobedience. You hear it amazes you, but you live in rebellion. But you say, Lord, Lord. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. He's saying, apply my teachings. Nothing proves our love for Jesus more than obeying his teachings. A true disciple of a teacher works at applying his teacher's teaching to his life. In Luke's gospel, Jesus says, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. In both gospel accounts, the, the first man is building on the rock, on the rock-solid doctrine, teachings of Jesus Christ. What are you building your life on? What doctrines, what teachings... This first man is not just amazed by Jesus' teachings. He is applying Jesus' teachings to his life by the grace of God and the help of the Holy Spirit. The teachings of Jesus is the very foundation this wise man is building his life on. And it's the very foundation he is building his marriage and his family on. When the storms of life hit, he withstands the storm. His marriage withstands the storm. His family withstands the storm. When a financial storm comes, when an unemployment storm comes, when a physical health storm comes, he withstands the storm. I'm reminded of the classic hymn, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, my righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. I've been singing that hymn all week long in preparation. We learn from Luke 6:46 that a wise builder draws near to Jesus draws near to Jesus. Jesus said, whoever comes to me. Number two, listens to Jesus' teachings. And Jesus said, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings. And number three, applies Jesus' teachings. And Jesus said, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. And so 
a wise builder draws near to Jesus, listens to Jesus' teachings, applies Jesus' teachings. Not rocket science, is it? And God gives us the Holy Spirit to help us do all of this. He doesn't call us to do this and leave us on our own, in our own strength. He provides a helper, his strength. We can do this because of Christ's strength in us, amen? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Isn't that beautiful, church? What's the result? He's like the wise man who built his house on the rock. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the storms of life came, he could not be shaken because his life is built on the rock-solid teachings of Jesus Christ. Sadly, the second man, the foolish man, he builds his house on the sand. He builds his house as if the blue skies of summer will never depart. We're still waiting for them to come here in Rochester. He gives no thought to the fact that one day, sooner rather than later, the skies will darken, the rain will fall, and a catastrophe will be upon him. The storm clouds of God's judgment will roll in, and he will experience the storms of God's wrath. And when you experience the storm of God's judgment, God's wrath, it's critical what foundation you've been building on. In Matthew's gospel, he says, in great was his fall because this man was not building on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ. In Luke's gospel, Luke says, and the ruin of that house was great. And great was his fall, and the ruin of that house was great. What's being conveyed here in the original language, our English word does not do justice. You see, there was such a high price paid for that man's soul. And for him not to endure the storm of God's judgment was great loss. Was great loss to God who desires that none would perish but all would come to repentance. Jesus says, I've come to give life and that more abundantly. The devil has come. He's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Wow. You know, Jesus' teachings just really rock people's lives. And we're going to experience that throughout the summer as we look at his teachings. We're not going to subtract from them. We're not going to add to them. They stand all by themselves and do what they were sent forth to do. Amen? The difference between the two builders is the foundation. To build on the rock means to obey the teachings of Jesus. It means to apply them in your everyday life. It means to trust Jesus for everything and in everything. It means to be guided and influenced by the absolute truth of God's word. To build on the sand means to give Christ lip service but not obey his teachings. You're amazed, but there is no application. It means your life is not guided or influenced by the rock-solid teachings of Jesus. You do your own thing. You don't live under the authority of Jesus. You're your own authority. 
That's a dangerous way to live, a dangerous way to build your life. The result is not encouraging. When the storms of life hit you, in in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, and it fell and great was its fall. In Luke's gospel, Jesus said, and the ruin of that house was great. As I prepare to close here this morning, as we wrap up, what foundation are you building your life on? Whose teaching are you sitting under? Whose teaching are you building your life on? Are you building your life on the rock-solid teachings of Jesus Christ? Something is shaping the way you think, influencing the way you think. Something is shaping your values, your value system. There's a teaching, whether you realize it or not, that you're building your life on. Are you building your life on the rock-solid teachings of Jesus Christ? It's a great question, isn't it, church, for us to ask? The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority. Are you only amazed at his teaching? Are you applying his teachings to your life, to your marriage and families? Are you submitted to his authority, his lordship? Wonderful questions. Here's four takeaways as I close. Number one, wisdom is not in the hearing and knowing. Wisdom is not in the hearing and knowing, but it's in the hearing and doing. I'll say it again. Wisdom is not in the hearing and knowing, but it's in the hearing and doing. Number two, we can be amazed at Jesus' teachings. But if there is no application, if we're not trying to live what he teaches, don't deceive yourself thinking we're his disciples because we're not. Because in the truest sense of a disciple, you follow You apply your teacher's teachings. I mean, Jesus puts it out there. Even in the the, the letters that he wrote to the seven churches, it's either or. Number three, a true disciple of a teacher back in Jesus' day worked at applying his teacher's teaching to his life. And number four, The rock-solid teachings of Jesus are the only sure foundation to build your life on. I close with 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man, all that we can accomplish as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. Man has a philosophy, (laughs) but it's withering. And one day, like the flowers, it falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. What foundation? Are you building your life on? What teaching arrests you, amazes you, and moves you to want to apply 
live it out. I trust and pray it's the rock-solid teachings of Jesus and that the, by the power of God's might, the Holy Spirit that God has blessed us with and provided for us, that we would draw from his strength and God's grace to apply these life-changing, transformational teachings of Jesus that bring life, hope, peace, joy, amen, in all circumstances of life. Can we stand together?